Thanks for joining me today, everybody. Hope uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're uh, protected from all the dangers of the world. Hope life is treating you well and um, all is good for you. So uh, we are starting a new series today, a series on Luther and the Reformation. It is Luther Week 2020. So we are going to talk about Luther. We are going to talk about the Reformation, how Luther changed the world. And you do not need to be Lutheran to be interested in this. This is important history. This is world history. Uh, And I hope that uh, this is interesting to you to hear how it happened and why it happened and to see how the world changed because of it. So uh, glad you're here. So uh, the first place to start is understanding the importance of Martin Luther, understanding the importance of Martin Luther and how how he changed the world. So I uh, want to ask, what are some, name some people, think some people who have changed the world. Who has changed the world? So we can look certainly back at American history and we can name people who changed American history, right? Who changed America. So you can look at figures in American politics like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and FDR and the important impact that they had on America. You can look at people in American uh, industry and the important impact they had. Uh, you think of Eli Whitney and the cotton gin. You think of Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, the Wright brothers, uh, these people who had a huge impact on American industry. Then you can look at others like Martin Luther King, Neil Armstrong. Uh, recently, you can look at people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, people who, who changed, changed the way we live here in America. Certainly, you can look at, depending on what your interest and passion are, there's people who, who changed uh, athletics or science or economics, politics, mathematics, right? There's uh, all kinds of people who had lasting impacts and influence on all kinds of different things. So there's all kind of influential people in the history of the United States, right? People who had a huge impact on the United States. But who has changed the world? Who are some people who have changed the world? I recently did a Google search, people who changed the world. And the very first article came up, there were 10 people who changed the world, according to this article. The, the most 10 most influential people to change the world. Uh, they are Bill Gates, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Adolf Hitler, doesn't necessarily have to change the world in a good way, I guess, Albert Einstein, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, Karl Marx, Charles Darwin, William Shakespeare, and Christopher Columbus. That was the 10. I would argue that there were probably some others who, uh, you know, the, certainly they were article included figures in history, that there were some people in history who changed the world more than those 10. Uh, if you look at throughout history, I mean, some people who changed the world, Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, right? They had a huge impact on the world. Uh, but I would say the three people who changed the world the most, the three people who changed the world the most, number one, I would say is Jesus. Jesus changed the world more than anyone else. And there's there's 2.4 billion Christians in the world right now because of Jesus. How can you not say that that's Jesus has changed the world the most? Secondly, I would say the prophet Muhammad. The prophet Muhammad, there are 1.8 billion followers of Islam right now. 
The Prophet Muhammad certainly changed the world. And then Martin Luther. I would say Martin Luther changed the world uh, in ways that we really that we really don't talk about a lot. Changed the world more than just theology, but but changed the way that the world, everything about the world, changed the world. So, a little bit of background. Okay, Martin Luther uh, came around, he was born in 1483. So, what was the world like prior to Martin Luther? Well, so let's just take a look at history, things we probably all know. The, the Middle Ages, right? The Middle Ages from the 5th century to the 15th century, specifically in Europe. Uh, uh, so it's the Middle Ages really start with the fall of Rome. Uh, Rome ruled everything. Rome kind of was, you know, a, an empire, you know, with Caesars and that kind of. And so the Roman Empire falls. And so then what takes its place? What comes up after the Roman Empire? So you have, it starts out with tribes and then uh, eventually power is centralized to kings, to monarchs, uh, specifically in England, France, and Spain. They kind of do their own thing. But then the Holy Roman Empire takes over Central Europe, right? The Holy Roman Empire with the Pope, uh, the Pope being the central figure of authority, uh, takes over much of Central Europe, including Germany, okay? So for a thousand years, from the 5th century to the 15th century. And, and the, the church really was in charge, the church was really in charge. And so as part of that, there were crusades and there were knights, right, going to fight uh, wars between Islam and Christianity, fighting for the Holy Land and all these things. But in society itself, people were suppressed. They were held down. There was no education. People didn't learn to read. There was no opportunity. Many people refer to this time as the Dark Ages, right? You've probably heard that, the Dark Ages. So, so people... People are suppressed that they, they have no they have no way to improve their lot in life. Life is difficult. The church makes life difficult. Uh, so then let's look at the very kind of the end of the Dark Age, the end of the Middle Ages. Look at the 15th century. Like what kind of climate, what kind of climate is necessary for a major shift in the world, right? So a major shift in Europe from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. Something happened. There was a pivot point where the world switched from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. What was it? What was it? Okay. What was happening at the end of the 15th century? What, what was... Uh, well, first, let's go back to the 14th century. Due to sickness and death and plague, Europe was a mess. In the 14th century, the middle of the 14th century, between 1346 and 1353... Up to 200 million people died of plague. 200 million people. That would be more than 50% of Europe's population died of plague. German settlements from 1350 to 1450 over the course of 100 years. The population of Germany went from 170,000 to 130,000. So plague, starting in the middle of the 14th century, plague becomes something that is on everyone's mind. You get into the 15th century and the plague returns. It returns five or six times, a, a different kind of, a full, different form of the plague returns. And so people, uh, in, in 1466, there were 40,000 people in Paris who died because of plague. So life expectancy is really low. Life expectancy is 30 years old. So if you're born in Germany in 1440, your life expectancy is 30 years old, which... I mean, this, it, it sounds crazy to say, 
But this isn't abnormal. In 1900, the world average was 31. Just 120 years ago, the life expectancy of someone born in the world was 31. Now, if you were an aristocrat who made it, if you made it all the way to 21, the odds are where you're going to make it to 64. Uh, that was in, 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 in the 15th century. But so we, there's a dwindling, dwindling population in constant fear of death. People are always worried about dying. People are always worried about getting sick. I mean, this isn't this quarantine that we're in right now is not the first time that people were worried about germs and getting sick and dying. This has been part of human history for a long time. And so, so the church sees people fearful and dwindling and, and you know, saying goodbye to loved ones, and they take advantage of that. The church takes advantage of that. They use that against people. They use that to keep authority. To keep power over people. Okay, what else is going on? There is scientific and technological advances. There's the world is changing, and in the, in the 15th century, the first most important invention probably in the last since fire, right, is 1430s. Gutenberg invents the printing press in Germany, uh, and so it's it's invented in the 1430s. It's the 1450s before it really gets up and running. Uh, I've heard people say that there were some fires at the beginning. People were setting fires to his workshop because they didn't want a printing press. They thought it was a terrible idea. It isn't until the 1450s that the first it's the for, the first book is printed in 1455. But Gutenberg had to borrow money and he went through court cases. The guy most important invention and the guy ends up broke. He died broke. He didn't have anything. But you can't take away the power of the printing press, mass communication, it altered society. For the first time, books become available to the masses. Prior to this, uh, if you were to have a Bible, it would have been a handwritten Bible. And it would have been, it would have cost a fortune. Books would have cost a fortune. So there, there weren't really uh, any, any books. People didn't learn to read. Uh, so, so books become available to most people. Uh, people learn to read uh, and and basically you for the first time uh, you know literacy uh, literacy skyrockets and people are learning people are learning uh, and so Mark Twain said what the world is today good and bad it owes to Gutenberg everything can be traced to this source and we are bound to pay him homage everything we have is uh, and everything we are is owed to Gutenberg so um that's the middle of the 15th century. The end of the 15th century, 1492. Anybody remember what happened in 1492? Columbus sailed the ocean blue. So Columbus heads west, trying to find the Indies, but actually finds the Americas. Uh, due to this trip, people realize the world isn't flat, uh, and telescopes are invented, and space started to be studied. And I mean, the world is changing. People are... People are learning things. People are, uh, they're discovering things. And right at the uh, beginning of the 16th century, 1510, the pocket watch is invented. 1516, the first postal service began delivering letters. This is important. This is really important. The first postal service begins in 1516, uh, one year before the Luther writes the 95 Theses. Up until this point, if you wanted to send a letter from Germany to France, you had to find somebody who was going to France. And you had to say, could you please take my letter and deliver it to Paris? And they'd be like, well, I'm... you want me to go to Paris 
and find some guy and say, you know, walk around and say, hey, does anybody know Joe Smith? Does anybody know Joe Smith? Does anybody know Joe Smith? Until you could get this person a letter. It's difficult. It's difficult. So the first postal service. So the world is changing, right? Technology is growing, advancing. They're learning more. They're reading more, all these things. And this is the world that Martin Luther is born into in 1483 in Eisleben, Germany. Uh, so Martin Luther is born into this world, just kind of dealing with plague and all that kind of stuff and where people are scared. People don't think they're going to live very long. And Luther sees the church taking advantage of that. As a child, Luther is part of that group of people that the church is trying to suppress, right? So as a boy, Luther believed that God demanded perfection from imperfect people. And God was waiting to send these imperfect people to hell. So if this is the, the if you see a world where people are afraid, where people are dying, where people aren't going to live, and you create a theology that says God demands perfection, and guess what? When you die, if you weren't perfect, you're going to hell. But if you give us this amount of money, we'll make sure that you don't go to hell. It was a great stewardship campaign, right? It worked. Uh, but this picture that Luther had of God, it's not biblical. It was created by the church. So... 20 year, Luther's 20 years old, 1503, uh, for the first time, Luther reads the Bible. He, he, Luther's father was a miner. So uh, if Luther was born before the printing press, he never would have had a chance to read the Bible. If Luther was born 30 years earlier, it would have been much more difficult for him to get his hands on a Bible because it took about 50 years to get all, you know, the, the, the printing press figured out and perfected and figured out how to, how to actually print the Bible and print books in such a way that they could make money doing it and they could lower the costs and all those things. So Luther finally reads the Bible. Uh, Luther, born at the exact right time to have a Bible and to read it. So he's, he, he read the Bible in 1503. Okay, so we go to 1505. This a very important part of Luther's life. 1505, uh, Luther was studying to be a lawyer, and he got caught in a terrible storm. We're apparently supposed to get terrible storms tomorrow. Uh, maybe God will, God will call somebody in ministry tomorrow during the storm. Who knows? Uh, so uh, he's he takes shelter in this terrible storm, and he prays to Saint Anne. Said if God would protect him and spare him, he would devote his life to serving God. And that's exactly what happened. So he's spared and he joins the Augustinian order of monks in 1505. Uh, so he becomes a monk, Brother Martin. Uh, and then 1509, he decides, well, I want to be a priest. So he becomes a priest. Uh, 1510, he goes on a pilgrimage to Rome. He thought this was going to be a, a wonderful experience, but he found that Rome was corrupt and the church was taking advantage of the people. And he was disillusioned. He's like, what are we doing? What do we do? How? What? Why? So he, he keeps studying. 1512, he's called to teach at Wittenberg University. He taught the Book of Romans and Psalms. And so it's 1513 where he starts to get in trouble. In 1513, he's reading the Book of Romans, and he reads Romans 117. It says, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, the righteous shall live by faith. And so he says, well, wait a second. Wait a second. This is, this theology, what the Bible says is different than the church's theology. This picture of God is what I've been waiting for my whole life. This picture, this is a God that looks at our faith and sees righteousness, that doesn't need us to be perfect, just faithful. And so he started, he he understands that, he said that on that day he was born anew. And he understands life as a response to what God has already done in Christ. 
He sees himself as a beggar clinging to the cross, not as somebody who needs to be perfect, right? And so shortly thereafter, Pope Leo X begins a fundraising campaign, a capital campaign for a construction project, St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. The construction of St. Peter's was delayed like 60 years because of Martin Luther. So the church wants to do a capital campaign. They could go to you know, the Holy Roman Empire. They could go to the churches in Rome and raise money. Or since they're in charge of, well, everything in Central Europe, they could go everywhere in Central Europe and raise money. I mean, imagine if your church wanted to build a new building, having the authority to go everywhere in America, to send somebody everywhere in America and, and raise money. And so that's what, ha- that's what happened. So this, this guy named Johann Tetzel is sent to Wittenberg to sell indulgences. Johann Tetzel is telling people that their, their loved ones who have died are in hell or in purgatory. And if they come and they give, they will free their loved ones from, from purgatory, from hell, and they would go into heaven. Um, and so many of the local people, the, 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 the poor, the peasants, who had very little, gave everything they could to get their loved ones out of, out of purgatory and get them into heaven. And Luther sees that and he's like, the righteous shall live by faith. We're taking advantage of people. We're, we're making life harder for people. That's not what the church should do. That's not who we're supposed to be. And so on October 31st, Martin Luther nails the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door. And he also sends a copy to the archbishop and the pope. It was written in Latin. So it was, he wanted to have a scholarly debate. He wanted to have a conversation. Within 10 days, his 95 Theses are translated into German, printed and mailed all over Germany. Within three weeks, it was all over the Holy Roman Empire. And within two years, Luther had books being printed and circulated all over Europe. Luther was basically the first famous author. He was the first guy to to write a bunch of books, and they were printed immediately, and they were sent through the mail, because now there's a postal service all over Europe. Uh, And so Luther then becomes this rallying figure, this guy that everyone can get behind. Uh, And so what happens next? Well, that's what we'll talk about tomorrow. We will really jump into kind of what happens after Luther writes the 95 Theses, because the 95 Theses is it's a bold statement, right? It's a bold statement, but it's like the equivalent today to posting something on Facebook, right? He, he posted something on the, on the door of the Wittenberg, uh, Wittenberg and, and you can post something. It's like posting something on your company's Facebook site, right? You post it, you, you can, you know, I don't know how it's going to be. People are going to respond to it. You know, he could have lost his job. But, you know, back then he could have lost his job and he could have been burnt at the stake. Uh, But so it's what happens afterwards, because I'm sure we've all posted stuff on Facebook and later we went back and deleted it because we're like, yeah, this I didn't mean this to be controversial, but people are going at each other in the comments and that wasn't my intention. And so uh, I'm not going to do that. But uh, so what happens next? That's what we'll talk about tomorrow. All right, everybody have a wonderful day and we will see you tomorrow.